Um, so hello and welcome everyone to episode seven of the AHP Perceptorship podcast. We're really delighted to have two guests with us today to speak about their experience about perceptorship and to hear a little bit more about their story. So I think it'd be really nice if you could each introduce yourself, tell us what your role is and are you a perceptor or a preceptor? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm Louise, I'm a band seven Sorry, am I looking at you or looking at the camera? You have look, look at us. Look at us, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, Band 7 for the Bromley Learning Disabilities team. I qualified in 2004 from Culture Youth, uh, College, which was affiliated with Hertfordshire University. Mm. And I did my degree. It was a degree apprenticeship designed for physiotherapy assistants at the time. Oh, so it was wow. over four years. So I was at uni for two days a week and then I worked as an assistant for three days a week. Oh, so were you originally assistant? I was originally assistant. Oh. I worked for Tower Hamlets Learning Disability Service. Oh, wow. And when did you start that? Was that? 1999. <gasps> oh. But my degree apprenticeship, so I qualified in 2004 to start in 2000 because it was a four-year degree. Mm. Oh, yeah. turn of the millennium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And Tara? Um, so I'm a physiotherapist, a band five for the Bromley Learning Disabilities team as well. Mm-hmm. I graduated from the European School of Physiotherapy in 2016. Amazing. Lovely. Um, so both physios and we've got a preceptee, who's Tara, and preceptor, who is Louise. So our first podcast with both preceptee and preceptor to share their experiences working together and um both got a really interesting story to share um, so we always like to hear what led you to become an AHP or in your case to become a physio so if we go to Louise first. Okay um, I kind of fell into physiotherapy didn't even know what physiotherapy was before I um, applied for a job in my local newspaper <coughs> in East London and I had a bit of time. I'd already paid to go travelling for a year. So mm-hmm. I was off to Australia, but I had about three or four months. Saw this job in the local newspaper that was for a fixed-term three-month contract um, for a physio assistant to help with hydrotherapy, rebound therapy, mm-hmm. working in special needs school. And I thought, you didn't have to have experience, mm-hmm. but I thought, oh, I love the sound of that. So I did that for three years, loved the team. Loved the work, I loved the contact and I liked the variety. I liked being out in the community so I wasn't kind of stuck in an office. Then I left because the contract came to an end. Off I went travelling. And then I had, I think this was before mobile phones. (laughs) So I had an email from the team. I think I was about eight months into my travelling to say, oh, you know, we've got this opportunity for a degree apprenticeship for a physio assistant's. We're going to be recruiting um, around the time I was due back to come home because I was away for a year. We'd really like you to consider it if you're interested, which I was. So I came back from my travelling, reapplied for my post, was successful, and then went on to do the degree. And here I am. Yeah. What a journey. That's, I think that's one of the most interesting yeah. um, stories I've heard of entry into physio. And I've just realised you're surrounded by physios today. I am. <laughs> I also I never make things easy for myself so in at the end of my first year I fell pregnant oh (laughs) Oh, wow 
wasn't planned, no. but he was a lovely, oh. lovely addition to my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that made it more challenging. Mm. It's obviously with placements and doing the work, but also being a new mum. Mm. But we got through it. I feel like it all kind of fell into place for you. Mm. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And as I say, I think I loved my job with the Learning Disabilities mm. Team in Tower Hamlets. Like I loved it, and I loved the people I worked with. What I hadn't really thought about was when I qualified, I needed to move on because there wasn't a post for me. Mm. Oh, I hadn't really thought about that part mm. of the... So I think there was an expectation that I may stay with the acute sector. And I guess if I hadn't fallen pregnant and because um, my partner lived in the Midlands. Mm. So I was always the big... When I fell pregnant, of course, I was going to have to... Mm. We kind of discussed, would he move down here or do I move up there? And it just worked that it was easier for me to move up there. Mm. Um, if I hadn't have had Saviour, I probably would have done my core rotations mm. um, in the, it would have been the Royal London, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't. I moved up and I did my rotations at Wolverhampton uh, Hospital. Loved it there. I love the acute sector far more than I thought I would because I love the community. Mm, yeah. But I like the challenges of the acute mm. sector. Um, but then I relocated back down here and came into my role here as a band six. Amazing. Very nice. Okay, and Tara, I'd love to hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I played high-level sports mm. and that also came with a lot of injuries. <laughs> yeah. So I spent lots of time with the physio, either in my hometown mm. or in the sports team. And I got really interested in how the body works and how much they were helping me. So I quite, I found out quite early that that was what I wanted to do. So as soon as I finished high school, I applied to be a physio. I was going to be a sports physio because <laughs> yeah. I, I played sports at quite a high level. And then I did an internship with athletes. And absolutely hated it. It's really um, funny how sometimes you can have this yeah. like idea of what you, you are gonna love and actually in reality yeah. it's not yeah. it's not the one. Yeah. And and I feel I can say this because I used to be one of them. Yeah. Um athletes are horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> for for physiotherapists, yeah. not yeah. not in general. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a physio to work with, they're yeah. not they're not good people. Yeah. <laughs> they want miracles, they want everything to happen quick, quick, quick. quick. Yeah. yeah. Um I did an internship in pediatrics in a day center with people with children with mm. learning disabilities. Fell in love with it, mm. um, and that's I knew that that was history. what I wanted to do from then. Yeah. Oh. So, would it would be really interesting for you to tell us a little bit about your steps into mm. this first post that you mm. um, had, obviously working in Oxley's then, and the kind of emotions that went with that, kind of the journey to it. How how was that experience for you? So when I finished my degree, I decided to travel. Mm. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a partner didn't have a, a house so I was like that's it if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it now mm. so I went to Australia New Zealand um, and then when when I met my partner in Australia he wanted to move back here I tried getting my degree transferred to Australia but unfortunately that was not possible due to the amount of work you have to do to get it registered mm. and I didn't have the money to stay there that long without a job so I came to the UK with him and started looking for a job here there's a good connection between, well, before Brexit. Mm -hmm. It was easier to get your degree transferred over to the UK. That was not a problem. I got registered with the HCPC. 
And then I started applying for jobs. And every single band five post I applied for said that I did not have enough experience to to get an interview. I didn't I didn't even make it to the interview stages. Um, so I was like, okay, then I'll look for an assistant that at least I can work in the field, even if it's not as a physio, mm. that I can gain some experience. And every band two or three I applied for, I was overqualified and they couldn't give me the job. <laughs> so I was stuck in limbo a little yeah. bit there until I saw this band four come up. I was like, learning disabilities, it's something that I've really enjoyed in pediatrics. Mm. So surely I'll enjoy it in, in adults as well. Mm. And I applied for it and I had a really nice interview with Kirsty uh, and Andrew, who I still work with now, and got the job. And here I am. <laughs> well, um, Louise, did you want to talk a little bit more about actually getting Tara into a band five post? Yeah, so I um, was the previous band six and then I successfully um, recruited into the band seven post. And we had an opening. Now, I think Tara had already been with us for quite some time. 18 months, I think. 18 months. And so I knew she was a great fit for the team. I knew she was passionate about adult learning disabilities. And I knew she would be really um, interested in the post. So we approached HR to see if we could turn my Band 6 post into a developmental post. But it was a firm no. And there was no really open discussions. So we had to put it out as a band six. We put it out twice. We had, you know, lots of applications, but there was only a handful each time we put it out that would be um, suitable to take to interview. Um, but at the interview process, I think each time we only interviewed two people and neither of them had the appropriate skills. Mm. So after two rounds of putting it out to advert, doing the whole recruitment process, interview process. We then went back to HR to say, look, we've tried to recruit to Band 6 and we can't. We have somebody working in the team who absolutely has the relevant skill set and is keen to develop. Please can you consider turning this into a developmental post? Um, and I guess we also spoke to them at that point about the preceptorship program is up and running. So with their support, you know, we think this is an ideal opportunity, particularly given Oxley's values mm. of a fair, you know, we care, uh, we, care. we want to develop our staff. Mm. And so at that point, they agreed. So there was a lot of um, stuff to do beforehand. But then we were, I think we still had, to, we did have to put it back out mm. to make sure that it was, you know, fair for everybody. Mm -hmm. But we only had one person apply. Who was sitting here? Oh, <laughs> she was spoiler successful. <laughs> so um, I suppose that links us on to the next bit then of what were your emotions? Mm. Obviously, we know the mm. the process of getting you into that job role and the interviews and and you know the kind of HR process. But what were your emotions about um, starting as a bank five um, into a development developmental post? How did you feel? Mm. Oh, it's terrifying mm, yeah. <laughs> but I think because obviously when Louise no when the band seven went up to the band eight and then Louise was successful in getting the band seven I we were a man down yeah. so we had one less person on the team mm. and I was already doing a lot of the work Support, yeah I was supporting Louise wherever I could obviously within the, the of my yeah. role at that yeah. point as a band four 
Um, but I was already taking those steps mm. to start mm. into the new role, hope with the idea in mind that hopefully it would become a band five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I finally started as a band five, I already had an idea of what I had to do. Mm. So I'd been working towards that moment for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It was still terrifying. But also that, you know, that, um, excitement of mm. it yes I'm finally there yeah, yeah. and the, it's the recognition I suppose that comes yeah. with that mm. as well not that yeah. you weren't being recognized for it before but it's you know when you're in the band five mm. post it's more um recognized elsewhere mm. as well yeah. rather, yeah. Than, rather yeah. than within the team mm. perfect amazing so obviously you had when you start within your band five post you you do have challenges so um I guess talking through the main challenges and maybe how you combated these challenges so one of the things that I'm the youngest person on the team, mm-hmm. um, and Thanks when the <laughs> <laughs> there's only ten years between us, <laughs> <but it's... laughs> um, when the other um, assistants started, both of them are quite a bit older than me as mm-hmm. well. And one of the things when I went into my band five post mm-hmm. and I was taking the lead mm-hmm. um, was that they would always look at them because they are the older people. So they thought that they were the more experienced one, the the higher, the higher banding, the yeah. more, mm. the people that would give the best advice. Yeah. And every time I had to be like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind um, of redirecting yeah. their attention, yeah. So it took, now that I'm more established in the team, mm. everyone, all the homes that we visit, they know me now. Mm. So they know that mm. I'm the one mm not making final decisions mm. but that I'm the qualified the qualified, the qualified yeah, yeah the qualified member of staff yeah. and they now listen to me but initially they would just turn to me they would look at me and then is that correct <laughs> to to the assistant that was standing next yeah. to me so that was quite quite a difficult thing but just yeah. through perseverance and just keep going mm. uh, yeah no I I kept taking the lead having mm. to pull them back mm. um that was actually actually one of a very difficult thing to Absolutely. to have to deal with yeah. um but some of the other things um that we mentioned before time management oh, with yeah. <laughs> being yeah. a person down and still having yeah. the entire waiting list and yeah. we had a massive influx of we referrals just at that as that happened so our waiting list was what 15 people was, long and we, they all bridged at the same time oh, so yeah. it was really hard to manage yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Multiple oh, breaches no. at the same time. When yeah. you're such a small team, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like you had a, a huge team. Yeah. You were the team. It, we yeah. were the team. It was the two of us for a very yeah. long time. Yeah. Um and now we've a more established team. So we've got mm. two assistants and we've got a, a graduate, graduate post post yeah. as well. Yeah. So we've got a full team now yeah. and it's just it's so much easier, but yeah. it has taught me a lot about how to effectively manage my time, but also about prioritization. Because yeah. we had to sit down and be like, okay, we're not going to be able to do this all between the two of us. So what are we going to do first? What do we need to do right yeah. now? Who what is urgent? And what can we go yeah. that can go on the back burner? And once we have more staff, we can revisit that. Yeah. Where was any project mm. running, group starting yeah. up? They weren't as important as seeing those people first. So we yeah. really had to sit down and go through a list yeah. of this is what we need to do first and then we can think about the yeah. other things. Yeah, we, we had a session this morning about prioritization and delegation. And that's <laughs> a huge component for you to be able to adapt because yeah. there's so many challenges, so many things 
that are going on, especially when, you know, cases are now really complex and also waiting lists and staffing. Mm-hmm. You've got to prioritise. Yeah. You've got to feel comfortable in maybe saying no to things or like, you know, yeah. you're not running your service as you usually should. Um, so and what's really nice was that you yeah, had that together. you had that open conversation yeah. because again another yeah. part of this session that we do about prioritization and delegation is actually they are some of prioritization and delegation are some of the skills that are less developed mm. in brand new band fives mm. for a multitude of reasons you know maybe lack of experience as a student or having mm. zero experience you never never yeah. never mind not having a little bit maybe having no experience and a confidence in your experience because mm. yeah. sometimes it comes with time. So it's really nice that you had that kind of group where, you know, the group, the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there wasn't anyone to delegate yeah. to. And I guess... Discuss that openly. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, when I remember when I first qualified and, you know, I had my first post and I, you know, I was in a very big teaching hospital. I was put on the rehab, it's called rehab. And I, you know, before I started, I thought, like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be doing proper rehab. And then on my, I remember my first day, I had a really quick induction mm. to the wards, to the team. I think I must have had about eight or nine wards that I was covering. And, you know, we would get 20 plus referrals a day that had to be seen within 48 hours. And I remember being given my folder, off you go, on my own. There were some assistants, but they were on another one. And I was like, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is it. And for me, I think... I completed that, you know, I think for the first month I kept getting lost around the hospital and yeah. you know, my anxiety was through the roof. But I remember at the end of that rotation, you know, my time management was super efficient mm. because I had to learn on the spots. And yeah. I always think about yeah. what can we do? What can't we do? And then if we're open and honest with, the, you know, the, the people that are being referred to say, you're on our waiting list, we will aim to see you within this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you know that's the way you it's, have to manage it you know the transparency yeah yeah and sometimes actually being put into the deep end mm. it will make make or break Absolutely. it's 100 it's, it's yeah. going to go one way or the other and what's really nice is you had that support so mm. kind of just before we move on to tara's experience of preceptorship did you it sounds <laughs> like you didn't but did you yeah. have any preceptorship or a process yeah. of a supportive system in when you first started so no there was absolutely nothing like preceptorship as I say you know well actually it was very um specific to the rotation so obviously my first rotation is a brand new we weren't even called band fives then I was a junior mm, physio yeah see how old I am <laughs> um so you know I had my brief induction met the team there were two of us actually on road uh, on on the rehab, but we had different walls. So one was just under surgical. I was on the on the medical with all the medical outliers. Um, so we were overseen by a clinical lead, but there was no nothing like a preceptorship program mm. that Tara has been, that you know you've mm. set up. Mm. Um, I think, you know, certainly when I did my respiratory rotation and orthopedic rotation, uh, there was a lot more support because. They want you to reach your competencies mm-hmm. to get you on the on-call rotor. Of course. <laughs> so it was all very rotation specific. Yeah. Um, and certainly I, I think one of the great things about the preceptorship programme is it's open to a multitude of AHAPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also, you know, Tara, when she was on it, is, you know, is meeting 
you know, sort therapist, mm-hmm. occupational therapists. And actually that gives a real insight into their role. Mm-hmm. So I would be working alongside OTs, didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, or, you know, the nature of their role. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, but, you know, we, we did get, you know, we had supervision. It certainly yeah. wasn't as frequent as the six weekly supervision that we do. Yeah. Um and I guess, you know, when I did see the more complex patients, I could go back to my lead. Yeah. Um, but it was a bit hit and miss. You know, I, I loved my time at Wolverhampton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you say, you get thrown into the deep end and you either sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if I hadn't have relocated back down south, I still might be there because I did grow to love it there. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly there wasn't the level of support that there is now. Yeah. We definitely, even when we qualified in yeah. 2015, 2012? 2010. 2010. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any real like support package. It was just dependent on your team or your supervisor. Yeah. And yeah. This is, I was given an A to Z mark list of patients. <laughs> yeah. And told, well, there you go. And again, I had supervision and I joined a lovely yeah. team, you know, made yeah, some friends in that team, which was yeah. great. So th- that did cause me to swim. But, you know, just being given the age set map and a list of patients, you know, I kind of lost those months yeah. because I didn't really reflect on it. I just, mm. I worked. You just, yeah. This is it. I, I think did it. Yeah. What, I, what I remember is, you know, you would get on that hamster wheel yeah. and you would not come off that wheel yeah. until four o'clock. Yeah. yeah. And often though, you know, we, we did get little breaks and obviously we did have lunch breaks, but it just felt like you were just working yeah. full stop without any time to really think about what you were doing and I think you know when I think back to some of those rotations some were better than others for the support mm-hmm. yeah yeah like it there there isn't like fair and consistency across no. the board is there and that's what we're really passionate about that everyone yeah. has access to the same yeah. program the same means of support from us and yeah. Peer support. Tra- yeah we're training the perceptors and I think the peer support is yeah. you know yeah crucial oh yeah because we're yeah. so like individually within our professions but there's not many of us no. but all together we make a yeah. huge Oxley's I think we make a huge family 350 yeah. AHPs so yeah third largest workforce in the NHS yeah. guys <laughs> um so yeah well, let's hear a little bit about your experience with perception then Sarah <laughs> I'm guessing what well, we're hoping that it helps combat some of those challenges yeah. <laughs> like Louise said it was really good to meet mm. all the other AHPs yeah. as well and uh, get a bit of a feel of what they do and how they experience things so being based in a community is very different to the acute setting as well so mm. just the different the different ways of working and the workloads. When I speak to an MSK physio, the amount of clients that they see during a day blows my mind. <laughs> and I don't understand how they do it because if yeah. we see four clients a day, we're, we're huffing and puffing and yeah. they're like, oh, there's so much else to do. And they yeah. see 14 or 15 a day. And I, yeah. Yeah. I guess in our defense, because it sounds like we don't do anything. We do, <laughs> we're doing a lot of travel. We do a lot yeah. of group work. Yeah, Whereas yeah. MSK, they're fixed in one yeah. place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sat, sat in that cubicle. Sat in that cubicle. Yeah. I'd, yeah. 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 MSK yeah. wasn't for me. Yeah, some people, re- some people really <laughs> thrive, but yeah. I'm like you. It, it just, it wasn't for me. No. <laughs> it wasn't for me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoyed just having that chat yeah. with other people and just knowing that you're you're oh, not alone. Yeah. Everyone's going through yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And yeah, it just made it 
it made it a lot easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having that protected time as well. You, you're so busy. You start at eight o'clock and you don't turn off until four o'clock. And just being able to take those two hours mm-hmm. and just turn your brain off from your normal work. Yeah. yeah. Just have that that chat and then mm-hmm. the short presentation. It just it just adds to a little bit of enjoyment. Just doing a little bit of something different while you're also yeah. working. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also the the portfolio, although it is a massive piece of work, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. because it was done in small bits. And especially now that I'm working towards getting my band six, I have to provide evidence why I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I already have the ev- evidence. So I don't mm-hmm. have to troll back through all my admin and all my notes and what I've done and now write things that happened a year ago, I already have it there. And I just have to be like, I need that, and I need that, and I need that. And then I can just present it the way that I want to. Absolutely. And same as you say, yeah, it is it is a huge piece of work. And that's why we do the one-to-ones with people, because we're like, look, we know that it looks like a big portfolio, that actually you're doing these things throughout the year. And did you find by um, using your everyday work and doing it in snippets, it made the process easier mm. rather than obviously when you first say it, you think, oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. yeah, it was that initial, um, yes. you see it and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <okay." laughs> but then yeah. with the monthly, the monthly supervisions yeah. with, with Louise and we just took it a little bit at a time. We looked at the, percept- uh, the competencies and we're like, okay, so mm. these ones... I feel like we, we've already done those. Mm. I just need to write it. So mm. I don't have to worry about them right now. These are the ones that I don't have any idea of yet. So mm. what, what can our approach be to do that and just little by little build yeah. that? And it was, yeah, the team's been really supportive and I've got all the time that I needed in between. Mm. Um, if I had a free half hour, then Louise was happy for mm. me to just spend that time writing up one competency and just by doing that, by having those tiny breaks in between, it just made it so much easier that, oh, I did still have my bulk hours where all of a sudden I was like, ah, deadline, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as it could have been if I didn't have those little snippets of time in between. And I guess, you know, that's one of the the joys of working in the community as opposed to, say, somewhere like MSK, where, you you know, they are booked mm. out from from the time they start to the time they finish. Whereas in the community, you know, we do have much more flexibility. So, you know, if you're on a visit and you've got a bit of a gap, you know, Tara could, as she said, you know, yeah. do those chunks of, of work where perhaps you wouldn't have that same luxury You'd in You'd just a be like setting. waiting for DNAs, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly, but you, yeah. Can't, you can't, like, hope on DNAs to no. get your work done. No. Yeah. So, yeah, we... In, we also found in the community there's just a bit more time for reflection like when you're driving from yes like yeah. each house each, yeah. you're like just reflecting on that experience thinking oh what do I have to do when I get back to the office and yeah. what do I have yeah. to um, and I think that's what we used to do a lot when we went on joint visits we would always have that reflection in the on our drive back yeah, yeah. And we're like okay so this happened what yeah. do you think about that how can we approach this yeah, yeah. I'll now, do this you do yeah. that you make that phone call I'll do this yeah because yeah. yeah. now we don't work together as much so Aww. we have our supervisions every six yeah. weeks but we don't spend that time yeah. in a car together anymore because yeah. we both have our own caseloads yeah so it's it's more separate but now I have those conversations with with the assistants that come with me or if I have a student that yeah. I now know how to 
structure that or how to have that chat with them during mm. those moments? Yeah, I think um, just going back to the portfolio, I think a lot of preceptees, once they get the momentum going with it and they, they're like, they know what the structure is and they've done a few competencies, then they really get in a role with it and then they start to enjoy it. It's that initial, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Like, oh, like, where do I get started? <laughs> And also I think with some of the competencies, you know, some are, you know, very role specific. So we kind of looked at the areas mm. that you could focus on. But I think a proportion of those competencies is part of your mandatory training. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing it already. So it's not yeah. as if you've got to make time to do it because you've yeah. kind of done it or you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process of being consciously competent. So you know that yeah. you're actually achieving them. Like you said, we're so busy. It's really important to actually sit down put it within competencies and structures and think, oh, yeah, I am doing that. I yeah. am really good at that. And sometimes um, it actually takes the preceptor to see to the preceptor. Yeah. Like, the preceptor might go, oh, I don't really know what to use for evidence of that. And it, that's why it's really nice yeah. for preceptees and preceptors to meet. Because then the preceptor will go, what are you talking about? You've been yeah. doing this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That definitely happened yeah. Yeah. a few yeah. times. Yeah. It's like reframing that and yeah. actually also providing that reassurance. No, you, you are. Mm. You are doing that. Mm. Um. So I suppose moving on from like preceptor preceptor um, conversations in terms of your role as a preceptor, Louise, mm -hmm. what support um, what support was provided for you, and did you feel that any of that support or training adequately prepared you for the process? Yeah. So I think I was a little bit late to joining the program. So Tara had already joined the preceptorship program, but for Due to other commitments, I couldn't enrol on the preceptor mm -hmm. training. Um, so I was a little bit late to it, but actually having that time where I hadn't done it compared to when I had done it, it was really useful. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it was really well structured. Mm. You know, I tended, I don't know if you're doing it face-to-face -face yet, but I attended online. Mm. Um, I thought it was really well structured and you went through each competency mm. with really great examples and so mm. it was really useful to kind of know what to expect from Tara mm. I think probably both Tara and I have a tendency to write a lot <laughs> so it was really good with some of the examples when you said actually it just needs to be yeah. a couple of lines yeah. we're not looking for essays yeah um what else have I put? Um, about navigating the portal was really useful. Yeah. And then I think I, there was still a occasion when I had a panic because I thought I'd deleted all of Tara's work. <laughs> and I came to you two and I was like, oh, what have I done? And you reassured me that I hadn't. Yeah. Um, and I think you were both really approachable mm. and really responsive. So I know when I emailed you, you, you responded really quickly. Mm. Um so I think the whole process was really useful and, you know, the support that you give is fantastic. Oh, thanks. Did you like reflecting back to when you first started as well? Because I think we can become, like, we go on autopilot, don't we? And we yeah. can forget what the emotions and yes. everything that the we felt. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, we always like to get everyone back into that. that mindset the preceptors of how was it when you first yeah, qualified that challenges you panic yeah. <laughs> I think it's really nice the way that we do that in training mm. for those that haven't attended um is that is the first thing it's like yeah. hello welcome this is what we're here yeah. to do right mm. you're going into a breakout room think about your experience yeah. because of course then the whole thing is structured on the on the band five yeah. experience and actually we yeah. need to remember what it was yeah. like for us yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even though do. times you know obviously mm. do change like 
one of the things that we regularly um, reflect on is actually when I qualified, and I know it was for a few years, was that the, the job market was so competitive mm, yeah. that actually right. you were almost kind of viewed as if you left, you, would, you were replaceable. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the investment in your settling in, your start process, I know this is a sweeping statement, but it wasn't as supportive because you were replaceable. Yeah. You knew if you put a job advert out, you'd you'd be getting 100, you had to cap it. Mm. And actually sometimes jobs were only open for one day even yeah. because so many people applied so quickly. You were you're like, I've got a shortlist. <laughs> um, whereas now you put a job out for two weeks and you don't reach your no. cap of numbers. Mm. And actually it's, it's flipped now. Mm. It's not yeah. so much that, you know, the band five can't get a job actually, the the choice you know the, in terms of applying for jobs, the competition has it's changed. It's a bit. changed. So actually, I think it's reframed our thinking of somebody isn't just replaceable. Actually, we really want to invest in you and that person, yeah, and really develop you and, and retain. Yeah. yeah. So so I know that when we reflect back to our own band five experiences, it it may be slightly different, but I think it's still good that those core emotions are yeah. the same. The, you know the the excitement oh my goodness I've got a job I'm qualified the fear of oh my goodness they didn't tell me <laughs> any of this yeah and then the imposter syndrome of oh I don't think I, I still know that why, why, why are they asking me to do this yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's always really it's, nice to think that because yeah. you really it makes people really realize that everybody felt the same everybody felt the <laughs> yeah. same and I can remember it's a good point you made because as I say I qualified in 2004 and when we were all applying for my cohort was applying for, for posts we were told this is the first year where some of you might not get a post yeah, yeah. Um, and then it just went steadily yeah. and then that's been I think I was the worst year yeah because it did start it did start to pick up after that yeah. but mm-hmm. I just remember when we were all at graduation so we finished in June we graduated in November and you we were going around going oh have you got a job yet and everybody was like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it, 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 well. it was like yeah. one or two one or two people yeah. from a yeah. cohort of about 90 of us yeah had a job and everybody else was working you know some somewhere so I worked on patient transport which was a thankless task but it kept kept me in healthcare. We had a couple of band band fives when I I was already a band six, still working at Wolverhampton, that had you know struggled to find their first post and had, were working in supermarkets, weren't even in healthcare. Mm, yeah, we. I look back at my cohort now, and we had a lot of people that left the profession. Yeah. yeah, and I know that the numbers of that are still high now, but they left the profession because they couldn't For get a job. Oh. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't that they started the profession and then left. They just couldn't, couldn't get yeah. a job. You know, I've got people that I qualified work with working in finance and their mm. qualifications in diagnostic radiography. Yeah. So, yeah, very different. Anyway. Um, okay, and then just going on to a little bit about, because Louise, you're also a clinical supervisor, mm. and we have lots of preceptors that are in kind of that joint role. So yeah. how did you feel that clinical supervision differed from preceptorship? Because there's this real emphasis on... Um, trying to get more AHPs engaged with preceptorship and a little bit of, not pushback, but, you know, there's already support in place, you know, you've got clinical supervision. Yeah. How do you feel that that kind of differs? So I think maybe initially in the early stages, we didn't separate it. Mm. But then actually, you know, when I thought about it, you know, I think your clinical supervision that we, you know, would have every six weeks, it's much more focused on, it's, it's role specific, you know, so we'd be looking at... Um, caseloads, uh, service development, 
you know, performance management of, you know, the other assistants. Whereas once we separated, you know, we'd, we'd have a little section at the end where we'd talk about perceptorship and then I realised, actually, this is not enough. Mm. And I think perceptorship is much more holistic. So mm. instead of looking at role-specific service, this is about the person and Tara's mm. development. Um, Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to take a sip of water. Yeah. Um, wait, oh, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> We've definitely found that from preceptors before. They've said it is a much more holistic yeah. approach. Yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, so it's much more about looking mm. at the person and developing their mm. skill set and actually making those skills transferable. Mm. Um, I think what I really discovered, I think we're both quite reflective practitioners anyway but I think preceptorship really opens up that um, opportunities for more reflection and certainly you know when we both first looked at the competency it was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) and then you know we will kind of look at them break them down you know have a chat then Tara would do the piece of work pop it on the portal I would have a look and then, you know, with some of them I used to make little notes and send to you to say, oh, and, you know, we've already touched on it beforehand where Tara would really undersell herself sometimes and I'd be like, she's not really captured actually all the work she's done. So I would kind of write back or even say to Tara, have you thought about this and this? And do you remember when you did this? And then because of that um, opportunity for additional reflection. So I think you know, I think that's one of the key for me was one of the, the key benefits oh. of preceptorship. Um and then I've already touched on I think you know the, the other benefit mm. of working alongside other AHPs mm. who you may not necessarily come into contact with um gives you a confidence boost and just discussing things like, you know, have you done this yet? No, I have I'm really struggling with this. Mm. Where, you know, I think we've got a, a very good relationship anyway. So I don't think Tara would be worried about approaching me with anything mm. specific. But there may be things that actually she wanted to discuss with one of her peers yeah. before bringing it to me. Yeah. So yeah, I think there is a big difference between the two and that I think they should be separated. Mm. So we would have a monthly perception meeting. Yeah that was separate to our clinical supervision. That's really, that is yeah. really interesting because I think people have to find out what works what best works for them. Yeah. I think I, if I was in your shoes, Tara, I think I would have preferred the mm. distinctive, you know, to the, know what you're the going set, into. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. feel like that I had the time focus on both, but I know that some... And this is it. I think, you know, as a community team, we have that luxury yeah. and we can be flexible. I guess not all services mm. have that luxury have to kind of find what works yes. yeah 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 and i think i was initially i had that feeling of if we're going to put it all together in that one one hour slot that we have every six weeks Felt then quite yeah and i was already i was working so closely with yeah. louise because it was only the two of us so we would go to visits together we would mm. be in meetings together and then we would have catch-ups together and we had supervision <laughs> yeah. together and then also perceptorship yeah. onto it i was just like Oh, that's going to be a lot of time there. <laughs> Louise must I'm have gotten sick. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Louise got sick of me by the time that we finished. It's really but nice it was... you get on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, Tara, what, mm. thinking back to your experience of perception, because you've obviously completed now and signed off, so congratulations. Yeah. Um, but 
thinking back to your perception experience, what, what would you say is your favourite part? What was your, yes, mm. I'm really glad I had that mm. access to that moment? It was when we went back to face-to-face meetings. Yeah. So Ooh. I am not a fan of networking at the best of times. Okay. Let alone when it's online, when you just stare at the screen where there's three people opposite you yeah. and all three of you are like, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um so i i wasn't a fan of that every time that i went to a meeting that i dreaded that part having to force that conversation yeah but the face-to-face meeting it was just so much better that you could actually see people and mm-hmm. you get so much more from their facial cues and yes. the intonation and you can have a chat with someone mm. that's sitting next to you whilst they're having a chat over there you don't have to have one person talking at a time yeah yeah but also the way that you guys made little activities to do with the networking rather than just in a room talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Precepty yeah. bingo, I think you're yes. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were quite proud of that yeah. one. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was one of my favourite things yeah. to do, just go somewhere. So it's time away. Yeah. Even when you're online, you're still either in your home office, mm. if you have the luxury of having one, or you're in the hospital or in a separate room. Mm. So yeah. you're still at work, whereas this pulls you away from your regular setting and you yeah. sit in a group you actually see people yeah. that you don't normally i i love louise and she's she's great <laughs> i do like seeing other people around yeah. as well. I suppose, you know you're such a small team yeah yeah, that actually, yeah. yeah it's, it and we is, also sit opposite each other yeah. <laughs> so yeah it is it is nice when you see other faces yeah. oh i'm pleased yeah. i'm pleased the percepti bingo was a hit of you <laughs> I think um, we had a, I signed off another Percepti the other week and she was talking about the networking in the breakout rooms and she said, like, oh, this was like, it was really outside of her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. She was like, initially, I was like, really didn't like them. Um, but then she's like, reflect, now she's signed off, she's like, reflecting, I'm really happy that I did do it. And I did kind of push myself mm-hmm. because I've now gone on to like chair meetings and um, I felt just a little bit more confident in that virtual environment where she is chairing meetings. and she... Especially when you chair a meeting and no one talks back at you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess I think it's um, one of those things that, you know, not just in preceptorship, mm. but certainly when I've done some online training yeah. as fire teams and you get sent out to your breakout room and then, you know, there might be three of you, yeah. four of you if you're lucky, but only two of you are contributing. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, yeah and you may be the only one yeah. contributing, and then you're like... I'm not surprised oh, that we're normally okay. the ones that are contributing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it is good practice yeah. to get into that because obviously, you know, MS Teams or Zoom or whatever virtual platform people use is taking such a dominant role yeah. now that actually love that you love the face-to-face, but also really great mm. practice to have that get comfortable with the uncomfortable and actually sometimes you have to just let the silence grow (laughs) and not fill the silence is one of my tips to people is like don't if you ask a question or you say something you don't feel the silence because you've asked the question Mm -hmm. and if you're feeling the silence then somebody's not contributing Mm -hmm. your you it's your anxiety or potentially you know feeling uncomfortable that's answering the question but that's not the purpose so um, good, good to get practice. Right? Yeah, I think that that possibly works. I'm just thinking about Tara and I have done a presentation mm-hmm. recently on our service. So we 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 did it to an inpatient service, and we've also done it to an external service. Mm-hmm. Um, one was via MS Teams, one was face to face. The MS Teams was really difficult because not only was it via MS Teams, they didn't put a camera on, 
So we were presenting to a black oh, space. Oh, yeah, that's really and nobody uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, no camera, no microphone. Oh. Yeah. So they were chatting. They were typing in the chat while yeah. we were doing the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. gauge. No. No. They could have left for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> Just had it on in the I'm background. Sure. And then... <laughs> yeah, we're dealing with that yeah. uncomfortable situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then obviously going on to your relationship with Louise with perceptive, how do you feel um, Louise is your perceptor made you know, a really positive impact? Oh. I'm guessing she made a positive impact. <laughs> uh, well, you know. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't be where I am today Aww. if I didn't have the support that Louise has given me. Um, she's always made time for me. Uh, she's got a great leadership style. She's always very patient. She's very efficient. She's attentive. It's Louise is a lovely person, and Aww, she's really given you. me what I need, and I hope that if I am in a similar situation later on that I can take some of that forward as well oh so lovely thank oh. you a little bit now i'm turning red <laughs> no that's really that's oh really really lovely really yeah very um articulate as well really nice and i guess on to tara and um, how do you feel that perception really supported tara do you really feel like it, um provided some skills enhancement or do you feel it was more the holistic approach do you feel i i mean i think tara is is very efficient with her time management so although when you know she she first joined and we looked at all the competencies and it and it was overwhelming because i know how tara works i knew that it wouldn't be a problem because we'll break you know it down into workable tasks bite-sized chunks Mm. um but i think very early on, we decided, and I think I'd spoken to you about making sure Tara had protected time mm. because not only is Tara with our team, she also spends one day at Bromley College, um, which is term time only. So I knew actually there's a lot going on for Tara. She's got, you know, her role at the college, her role in the community. So I just wanted to be, you know, very clear that we need to make sure she's got protected time so it doesn't become overwhelming. Um I think, you know, we've got a great way of communicating. So, you know, I know if there's a problem, Tara's going to tell me. And likewise, if I, you know, think there's an issue, I feel comfortable talking to Tara about it. Um, But again, I think for me, you know, looking at the competencies, I felt there were some areas that was really useful for Tara to kind of home in on and to really get those skills um, to build her confidence. Because although... Tara comes across as somebody that's very confident. Underneath that, there's a very soft side. Um, and she worries a lot. And, you know, as we all do, as you say, you know, when we first qualified, I think, you know, I certainly worried that I was doing the right thing, doing the wrong thing, mm. making a good impression. Um, just because of that inexperience, you know, when you're newly qualified, you don't have that professional experience mm. that comes with time. Um I, you know, we've touched on, you know, Tara would often undersell herself. So she would just need that reassurance to say, actually, you know, sell yourself a bit more because you've got those skills now. And certainly one of the other examples that I can think of is, you know, we are a specialist service and we do a lot of assessments for specialist equipment to support the people we work with. Uh, and normally what we have to do is we identify that there might be a specialist piece of equipment, you know, we'll get a rep out, and then we have to do a clinical reasoning 
process to apply for funding. And I remember in those, you know, very early stages, Tara would always seek approval from myself or from Kirsty, who's our band aid. Whereas towards the end of her finishing, she's just doing that without even asking yeah. for support or advice, you know, within the wording. So I think, you know, she's really excelled in in those clinical reasoning skills that's needed for our role. Oh, very oh, nice. And you think preceptorship really aided that, do you? Uh, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I think so. I think if the preceptorship hadn't have been in place, obviously I think there would have been more time needed on my part to spend with Tara mm. to gain those skills. So I, you know, I don't know if, if you agree with that, but I think certainly preceptorship has supported that process. Yeah, I think it, for me it highlighted mm-hmm. those things that I wasn't sure about and then having those conversations. It's like, oh, actually, yeah, that, that does make sense. But just in my mind, I hadn't drawn that conclusion. Yeah. So if it wasn't for those meetings, then yeah, and that who knows when that would have come up. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think perhaps without the preceptorship, it would have taken longer for Tara to get that confidence mm-hmm. to actually think... Yes. I do know and I do have the confidence to clinically reason and to document that clinical reasoning to justify the need for this piece of equipment. Yeah, perfect. And also it's just because you're such a small team, you could have maybe overthought quite a lot and where you weren't showing those, if you weren't sharing those experiences with other band fives, you might have been like, am I the only one that feels like this? <laughs> yeah. And then that could have a real big impact Negative on your impact, confidence yeah. and how you are at work and the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you're like... Yeah, you could have just really got yourself in a bit of a vortex. And and can yeah. I just say, when I did your one-to-one, you definitely, like, showed yourself as somebody who was, you know, very, like, very confident. You didn't, you certainly didn't show me the, any kind of worrying signs of that imposter syndrome. So I know what you're saying, Louise, going back to, you know, you're very good at the communication, but also very good at being like, yes, I am confident, which is a really great thing to have. Yeah. Um, but I can remember walking away from the one-to-one just to say, and I went back to the office and it was like, she's one-to-one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and you definitely have been. Yeah. Um, would, Tara, would you, um, would, would you recommend preceptorship to somebody else? And if anybody's listening to this, that's going into their first post or is in their first post, what would your top tips be to them? So Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, like we, we touched on it before, just having that moment mm. away from your day-to-day, this is what I'm doing, just stepping away from that and having that chat with other people that are going through the same mm. thing that you are. Mm. Because, yes, Louise has gone through this back when she qualified, mm. but things have changed since then Mm, and she's been in her role for 10 plus years so she knows how things go and what needs to be done but it was really nice to have that chat to other people that are in my situation that haven't been in their role for such a long time that you can at least have that conversation even if you don't chat much Mm -hmm. you can just sit back and listen yeah especially in the face-to-face sessions Mm. a bit more than (laughs) in the breakout rooms but you can just sit back and listen to other people's experiences which is very helpful as well I think for me, what I didn't quite realise until the very end, it was one of the last sessions I I did where we were in a breakout room and we were talking about, it was something that the others couldn't discuss because they were in an office with people they worked with. Oh, was this the elephant task? The yeah, elephant in the room? room. Yes, yeah, so I think that was it, yeah. The CIA maybe? Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't 
talk about anything because they didn't yeah. want anyone to overhear yeah. something and misinterpret what yeah. they overheard. So we just chatted about the portfolio instead. Mm -hmm. And I'd gotten to a point where they were asking me what I'd done and I could actually give advice. And I was just, after the session, I was like, oh, hey, what happened yeah. there? It's just so such a yeah, bit of a mentor. Yeah. yeah. It was so just, yeah. I hadn't realized how much I had done and yes. that I could make that impact for others to just tell them what I'd done. Yeah. So that was that was a really big turning point um, for me. And I think you've just hit on a, a, a good point as well, because not, you know, you're the only band five in our team. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it is a confidence thing of you, you don't want to look stupid. You yes. want to look like you know what you're doing. So perhaps having those discussions with other band fives that are in the same boat mm -hmm. are easier and actually then kind of give you more confidence to say, actually, Although I felt anxious and I wasn't sure, I'm on the right track. Yeah. yeah. And we are very open about our experiences as well. Like we like to say that we um are just yeah, open and honest and very transparent. Yeah. And um the session that we did this morning as well, someone was just like, Oh, that's really reassuring to hear that you also struggled with that. So it's it's nice hearing it from those that are a bit more experienced that mm -hmm. we we went through the same thing. We yeah. just we struggled and we, it's part of that learning process yeah, isn't it yeah and it's like you will come out the end of it you will you know like there you, you had that real like that turning like, point yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. mm. um oh that's that's great to hear and just um a little bit as a preceptor do you feel that it helped develop you in any way um yeah i i, I guess because I've been in my post for so long, I think I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a control person. <laughs> Maybe I am a little bit. And I, I know I have a tendency, certainly if we've done assessments and Tara said, well, I really want to lead this. I have a terrible tendency to jump in and say, no, we're going to do this. Or this. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's a real physio tendency, yeah. <laughs> can I just say? Because I'm exactly the same. same. Yeah. Um, Louise has got an amazing mug. Remind me to show you a photo okay. after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think definitely it's developed my skills um, to kind of more coaching skills. Yeah. So instead of giving the solutions... We're to so kind of ask more questions, to say, yeah. okay, this is the problem. What else do you think it's you really could do to solve that? that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think AHP, yeah. all of us, we are we're solution like based. Yeah. Yes. We are yeah. we are professional problem solvers, yeah. just in different areas. You know, so obviously dietary or problem solver of mm. you know foot and lower limb conditions and all of these kind of things we're jumping we're, to the solution so so we like to be solution yeah. focused because we're problem solvers mm. so actually it's really nice to hear that you've taken on more of a coaching, coaching as yeah. much as that may have been frustrating <laughs> as well yeah. yeah actually really nice that it's reframed your kind of and i think skills. what i'm doing so Correct me if I'm wrong. So, you know, when we would have our perception meetings, I would try and take that step back and think, okay, let's have a think about what do you think and what other measures can you put in place? And I think I'm beginning now to incorporate that more in our supervisions when you come to me with tricky situations. Whereas I, I probably still do, if I'm honest. I might jump in and say, right, okay, let's do this. I might say, have you thought about? Yeah. 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 It's reframing it. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. And lastly, as we have such a wonderful partnership here, <laughs> um, what do you feel the main components to a really successful perceptorship journey or partnership with Percepti and Perceptor? What do you think is a real the key components? We actually came up with very different answers. To oh, this interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Shall I go first? Let's get the perceptual perspective. I think for me, it was making sure there's protected time to focus on the the perceptorship. I think time management and planning is key. And you're very, I didn't really even need to help you that. You're very good at doing that. Um, Communication, Mm -hmm. being open and transparent um, and keeping those lines of communication open. Um, and then support from you. Oh, <laughs> and I think yeah, I, I think from you know from my side, you know, I'm I'm the lead clinician of my team supporting Tara, but actually having a different support network for Tara was beneficial for Tara, but also for me as well. Yeah, outside of the teams, outside, outside of team, team dynamics, yeah. I think that's what we've found with many teams we've worked with. It's just. An outside voice yeah. is so important. Um, and sometimes it's just nice to be able to run something yeah, past someone and then yeah. go, oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, even if, you know, it's not a clinical decision, but actually yeah. in terms of like the structure of something, actually just nice to have reassurance of somebody who's not within the team. Not involved, yeah. 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 Really nice. Oh, Thank you. Lovely. Okay. And so what was the receptive <laughs> perspective of that, Tara? <laughs> so mine were, you need a supportive preceptor. Yeah, someone that Dick. <laughs> yeah. does everything that helps you yeah. when you need it, but also is happy to take that step back if you don't need it. Yeah. Uh, as a preceptor, you need to be very proactive and yeah. make these plans and get these things done. Yeah. Um, flexibility. So protected time is a part of that. But even if you have don't have the protected time per se, where can you swap your day around a little bit or do you have a little gap that you can use you have to be quite flexible to make sure that mm-hmm. you can get everything done yeah, yeah. and my last one was cre- creativity as well oh yes. Yes. yes and can i just say your portfolio was also full of creativity we still Chef's talk kiss. we still talk yeah. about how impressed we are by your portfolio i'd say on a weekly basis yeah. <laughs> It, it props should, we like, weekly. should we circle back to Tara? Yeah. <laughs> those are really, really nice. Yeah. I love, I love I those like, points. Yeah. Really nice to hear the different perspectives, perspectives together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I, think is, I was just going to say, is there anything else mm. that you feel like you want to mention or to add? If not, then that's fine. If you feel like you've got everything. I actually just thought of something. When yeah. I did the observe practice... Hannah came over to to watch me and that was a really nice experience for me as well because it was someone from outside the team that was giving me feedback on how I was doing rather than having the same people that yeah it's great to hear that I'm doing a good job (laughs) but it's nice to hear when someone else says the same thing as well yeah Yeah. oh good yeah I'm I actually really enjoyed that experience as well so I'm yeah, I'm glad. She was like, I really want to put some really good feedback on you. Really spend time on this. I did. <laughs> I spent a good chunk yeah. of time on this feedback. I, I really put it on Louise's desk for the next morning <laughs> yeah, when I, I got it. <laughs> we haven't touched on your endorsements either. You had an incredible endorsement section in your portfolio. Yes. Well um, mm. And that was a, a letter from um, one of your patient's parents, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That sadly passed away, but... 
you know, they were reflecting on that huge impact that you had on the, not only the patient, but the whole family. Yeah. Um, that was really touching. Really to touching. Um, and that's so important to also incorporate within your perceptorship because mm. we always say very regularly in the NHS, very easy to focus on the complaints your team are getting or just the negativity. And so, so important to hold on to those um, compliments Com- and yeah. those endorsements that you get because and thank yous just because yeah, you can go a long way we were actually also saying this this morning a thank you doesn't cost anyone no. anything but mm. is sometimes like not given freely yeah so actually mm. a thank you you'll hold on to that for years and yeah we were, we were talking mm. about it in terms of when you um delegate something to someone actually just to say, remember to say mm. thank you <laughs> but actually thank yous are are free but aren't given freely so um, and that re- and the fact they took the time to write a letter, send that in, like it's a huge um, credit to you. Yes, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, in preparation for my portfolio, I was going through some of my old stuff yeah. as well, and I found a letter from my placement instructor from when I did pediatrics, oh. and I just read it back because that was. It was just after the, pre- the placement, she was like, if you want to get a job, here's a letter of reference from me. And it was it was so nice to read yeah, that back yeah. and just to have that. Yeah. And you'll read yeah. those for years yeah. to come. Yeah. I found mine when I was moving house. I forgot that I had them and I read them <laughs> back and had a cup of tea and actually I was like, oh, I was really good at my job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just nice to remember. Because yeah. <laughs> we can get lost on the times of chaos of short staffing and the stresses like if you've had one of those days if you ever have one of those days just please reread just read yeah yeah yeah. it's a good point yeah it was perfect yeah right so i think we'll round up there thank you yeah yeah Yeah. amazing so thank you so much for sharing your experience Mm -hmm. but also both of you just really like embracing the perceptual experience Mm -hmm. and um, it's both of you, like you were this first time being a preceptor, Louise, yeah. and obviously first time with preceptorship journey. And it's just amazing to hear that you had such a great relationship with it. And yeah. you really went with it. I think because it is so new for everyone, some can shy away from it a little bit and maybe yeah. not engage with it. But you really went with it. And it's a really great story to share. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And remember, guys, if you need any more perceptship information, <laughs> check out our website. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Thank you to Louise and Tara mm. for joining us. Um, and we hope that you join us for the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>